All right, tonight we're in a tremendous chapter of Revelation, chapter number 20. Chapter number 20. Get set down. Chapter, oh, not chapter 20. <laughs> uh, what chapter am I in? Huh? <laughs> Chapter 7. How's the uh, 7 sound right? <laughs> that wasn't even close. <laughs> well, I did study the right chapter. I just forgot what chapter it was. <laughs> chapter number 20. This is a, a chapter which I... I've titled, this is a new title for me, God's Outreach Program. God's Outreach Program. Tonight we're going to be studying as to who are saved during the tribulation period. And God has an out, outreach program he has for every age. Today... It's through the local New Testament church that he works by the... I do, but I don't know if they do. Let's see. I might have sat on it when I fell down in the chair. Let me look. You haven't missed anything. I just... Now I have one. Now I have a green light. And I, I, I may have done that. I don't know. Oh, okay. I see his head back. Okay, I think he's up now. All right. So as I stated, I call this God's Outreach Program because we're going to be looking on the subject of who will be saved during the tribulation period. A lot of people are not aware that people will be saved. And I suppose one of the reasons is that we often remind people that people today that's had an opportunity to hear the gospel and refuse Christ, if the rapture takes place, they'll not be saved. That's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 8 through 12, and we may read that if we get time a little later, but you should have that reference. Because of that, some folks were of the opinion, they think that maybe nobody can be saved, but actually, during the tribulation period, there will probably be one of the greatest numbers of people saved in all the world. And, And I'm certain to say this, at least for a seven-year period. There's no seven-year period in the history of the world where this many people are going to be saved. There's going to be a multitude of people saved. But now chapter 7 itself is what we call a parenthesis. And a parenthesis, a little bit of English literature, uh, not literature, but grammar, 
You know, a, a parenthesis uh, is placed in to give added information, but it doesn't carry the narrative. We close chapter 6, reading about the sixth seal. The seventh seal is recorded in chapter 8, verse 1. And if we were to read chapter 6, the sixth seal and 6, and then go to chapter 8, verse 1, you would have smooth continuity because there's no break in the narrative because a parenthesis is placed to give added information. It can have um, difficulty for some people because they... uh, I don't know what I've got going on here. Here it goes. Uh, Because they have... uh, The idea, you know, that everything has to be in order. The book is pretty much in order in sections, but not in every uh, piece of information. The information will perhaps go from one place to another, and we'll discuss that a little bit more later. The things that we read about the chapter is really divided into three sections, and that's how we'll be looking at it. But uh, the, the um, chapter has two time elements. The f- one part, the first part, has to do with right after the rapture or shortly after the rapture, certainly within the first half of the tribulation period. I believe at the very beginning of the tribulation period, that first period is talking about. And then the second period is at the end, not just the second half, but the end of the tribulation period, the end of the seven years, okay? So that may help you, and maybe not, I don't know. But... um, this, uh, this chapter here, let me just start off by reading uh, to you, if you'll turn to uh, Revelation chapter 7, and we'll see here, beginning in verse number, oh, I get two, I wanted seven. Okay, verse 1. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. And let me say this. Just because it says the earth has four corners does not mean the earth is flat. I actually met a man. In fact, he was here in Vegas. He wasn't from here like hardly anybody else is. But uh, he was of the position that the earth is flat today. He still thinks the earth is flat can't talk to people like that very long, uh, so I didn't. But uh, it doesn't mean the earth is flat. It says the four corners of the earth, meaning the four directions. You have the, the north, south, east, and west. It's the entire world that it's talking of here. And it's holding the four winds of the earth that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice, 
uh, to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt, uh, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, until we have sealed the seven or the servants of our God in their foreheads. So here we have this first section. This is some mistakenly call this the suspension of judgment. I don't think it's suspension. I think it's delay. Uh, And uh, I don't think this is the end of judgment. I think this is a delay in judgment uh, that's taking place on the earth. And God's reason is that these uh, uh, servants of his may be able to be sealed. And their seal uh, will be like the Antichrist has the seal of 666 on the forehead or in the back of the hand. Well, this is in the head. This is only on the head. And uh, it's and from Revelation chapter 14, we'll get there one day, Lord willing. We learn that this name uh, is the name of God. It's God's name. Uh, we have to be a little more clear than that because if you know your Bible, you know in the Old Testament, God had a lot of names. Some you may be familiar with, some maybe not. El Shaddai, Adonai, uh, Tishkanu, um, uh, just a, a number of names. I think maybe about 10 or 12 different, different names. So which name would this be? Well, there was a name that God identified himself in the Old Testament that the Jewish people felt so holy that they would not even pronounce it. In fact, they recorded it by just giving it three, uh, four letters, Y-H-W-H. No vowels, so it couldn't be pronounced. And when they would come to that portion of Scripture, they would just simply say the name, and then they would continue. I believe that's the name. That's the name that you find in your Bible, uh, Jehovah, when it's always in all caps, Jehovah is completely capitalized. It's that name. It's Y-H-W-H, and I think that will be the name uh, that will be in the forehead of these servants of the Lord. And I don't know why this thing isn't cooperating tonight, but I knew we'd have days like this. Okay, so let's look over this again. The four angels are on the four corners, north, south, east, and west. The one angel coming from the east is evidently more powerful. He cries out for them to stop, to hold what they're going to do. They're sent out to to bring the judgments, but they're not to bring the judgments, he says, until until this uh, seal has been placed uh, in the foreheads of God's people, God's servants. Uh, servants here, of course, is uh, there's just a couple words, servants in the Bible. Uh, the word servant here is the uh, bond slave type servant. A bond slave servant, differing from a regular servant, you could have servants in your house and maybe only one or two or no bond servants. But a bond servant was one who voluntarily 
though his servitude would be finished, his obligation would be done and he could go free, but he chooses rather to remain in the household of the master and a, and a, and a, a ceremony was performed. Uh, they would go down to the city gate and a hole would be put in their ear and so forth. There was a marking, marked them as a bond servant and they became servant for life. And uh, Paul identifies himself to be uh, that type of a servant uh, in the uh, book of Romans, we find that. But now, uh, chapter 7, you know, we, we said uh, chapter 5 was the throne chapter. Chapter 6, uh, grace. We see the uh, people under the altar praying. And uh, this would be the, uh, the mercy chapter. Uh, God's uh, instrument of mercy uh, here is, is seen in his messengers and these angels. Uh, angels are messengers of God. And by the way, uh, in the study of angelology, you understand that there are two types of angels. There are the good angels and there are the fallen angels. The fallen angels, which we believe was a third of all created angels, followed Satan. They were fallen angels, demons, if you please, but servants of the devil. But God's servants, or the good angels, there are two-thirds of them. God's servants cannot fail. They, they're not saved because they're in a fixed state. They never were, they were never lost. They, they stayed true from creation, and they, they never fell. They, they, they don't have salvation. Uh, through the Old Testament, activities of the angels was pretty prominent. You remember how they came to Lot's house, uh, and and uh, the story there about that, we won't go into that, but different ca- times the angels appeared, the servants of God appeared in the Old Testament. And uh, the, the, it, it was true uh, up to the ministry of Christ when he was on earth. Uh, there's a lot of demonic activity as well uh, during the life of Christ. During this age that we live in, we call the age of the church, uh, it's not so uh, noticeable, though I believe we do have angels. I believe there is such a thing as guardian angels. Uh, You can't see them. and I couldn't uh, tell you there's one, there's one, you have one, you don't, so forth. Uh, No, I I can't do that, but there are guardian angels that assist and take care uh, when we're in time of need. But then when Christ comes back at the second coming of Christ, and during this time here, angels again will be more prevalent as they were in the Old Testament economy. Basically, you know, the, the Jew required a sign. They wanted a sign. We don't live by sight. We live by faith. We're not to be looking for a sign. We're looking for the Savior. It's just that simple. And, and uh, so we don't go by the same methods and practices that they did. But uh, they're now back in this Old Testament economy. If you notice a prophecy chart, that's why you'll notice the age of the church is in parentheses. You have the fifth dispensation, which is the law. 
and then a parenthesis, and remember what I said about a parenthesis, it could be taken out, and it wouldn't uh, affect the overall story. The Old Testament promised a Jew a kingdom here on earth, the throne of David. Christ would reign on that throne. He's going to one day. But right now, we're still in that parenthesis known as the church age. When the church is taken out, we saw that happen in chapter 4 and 5. The church was in heaven. Chapter 6, we're back down to the earth scene where you have the judgments. And throughout this time, up till chapter 19, you're going to be here on earth in, the, in this particular time. This again then is that fifth dispensation. This is the end of that fifth dispensation. After this follows not the sixth, that was the church. The seventh, which is the millennial reign of Christ. And so that will help you perhaps as we go uh, through this and, and chapters to follow. And I hope I don't shut this off again. If I don't put it up there, it's going to be on the floor, I know. Now, um, the, four, the four winds of the earth, uh, or the, uh, the judgment, the process of judgment that's about to take place is supposed to stop. Uh, and they, they do stop. Till, that little word till there in verse 3, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till. That tells you that there's, that's a qualifying of a time. This isn't, just don't stop them, don't, don't have any judgments. No, the judgments are delayed till this mission, this sealing of the servants has taken place, is what it's talking about here. Now, we go now to the second section, which is verses 4 through 8. This section talks about the 144,000. This is the sealing of the Jews. And these are Jews. Remember, the judgment is suspended till these 144,000 are sealed. And this seal is an outward seal, a visible seal, but it's also an internal. It's not only physical, it's spiritual. You know, we as Christians today, uh, when we're saved, the Bible says we are sealed. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit, preserved, kept by the power of God until redemption. And so we never lose our salvation. That's similar with these. They're in a, a tribulation time. This is happening now at the very beginning after the rapture, beginning of the tribulation, which again begins when the Antichrist makes the peace agreement, the false peace with the Jewish nation. And there's a peace, supposedly peace on earth. Okay, so here we have these uh, 144,000 being sealed. And again, it's not only an outward seal, but it's a spiritual seal. And nothing can bother these people. Nothing can hurt them. With all the uh, slaughtering of people that's happening during this uh, time uh, on the earth, the tribulation period, and on up into the great tribulation period. And these people are living through that. 
the, the first and the second half, they live throughout this time of tribulation, yet they cannot be killed. They're sealed by God. The power of God is upon them. Now, some go a little bit too far, and they say that everybody is sealed. That's mentioned here in chapter 7, and that's talking then about the multitude that are saved later. I don't believe that is to be true, and I'll show you why in just a moment. But now, if you read this, and and let's just begin by reading verse 4. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. And then it begins consistently to number the twelve tribes. Now, you're a real astute student of the Word of God. You're going to see some peculiarities here because you're not you can look as much as you want but you'll not find the, the tribe of Dan and you'll not find the tribe of Ephraim but you will find two tribes or you can call them tribes Levi and Joseph that you won't find in other lists and we're not going to get into teaching all that or we could spend the rest of the night there but I'm just saying I'm aware of that as a reason I'm, uh, that that's, God didn't make a mistake. He knew just who to put in here. And believe me, when you study it out, uh, you will find that God doesn't make a mistake. It's all right according to Hoyle. And uh, you can just mark it down. Now, each of these 12,000, uh, there's 12,000 from each of the tribes, and all of them are Jews. So if anybody tries to tell you that they're um, one of the 144,000, the first thing you want to do is say, uh, what tribe do you belong to? And, and you could even premise that by saying, uh, are you a Jew or a Gentile? Most of them are Gentiles, of course. I don't know of too many Jews claiming anything about this. But um, they're Gentiles. They, they can't qualify. You just tell them just go spill those beans somewhere else. You're not interested. You're not, you're not listening to that. Uh, and another thing you could say, you could run across a guy and say, well, I'm a Jewish person. I'm, I'm a Jew. I can prove uh, genetically that I'm Jewish. And uh, I can even tell you what tribe I'm from. And I said, what tribe? He said, Dan. I said, I don't believe you either. <laughs> he said, Ephraim, I don't believe you either because you're not in here. They're not mentioned in here. God said 144,000. He didn't say 144,001. He said 144,000. There's no more than this in this group, and there's no, no less, and they're all Jews, and they're all from the different ten tribes, as without a doubt. And they, um, they'll, they'll survive, again, you get back to chapter 14, you'll see they survived throughout the tribulation time, throughout the entire time. Today, uh, again, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're kept by the power of God. And so will these dear saints be, though they are from a different age. Uh, they're secure in Christ. They're sealed until that day of redemption of the body. 
at the end of the tribulation time. Now, I believe, again, that Jehovah is the seal that's in their forehead. Uh, some don't name it. Some don't try to name it. I, I go out on a limb a little bit, but from my studies, I've come to the conclusion I'm happy with the, the teaching that it is Jehovah. The summary of the 144,000 are Jews made uh, uh, secure by God with his seal, and uh, they are sealed sometime at the beginning of the tribulation period, definitely after the rapture, but before the tribulation is very far spent. These are the missionaries. God has missionaries at this time, and they're Jewish missionaries. And they're going to do something that we failed in over 2,000 years. The church have missionaries, and we are given the Great Commission to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. And, and you, it's in all the gospels, the best one we use is in Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20 there, and, and how we're to teach them and baptize them, and the promise that God is with us always. And that's today we have missionaries. But our, our mission is to win the world to Christ, to, to get the gospel out. We fail. We, it's not over yet. We're still here. And, and some people are praying for a world revival and all this. I, I don't get too excited about that because I, the Bible tells me it's going to get worse and worse and not going to get better and better. And, uh, and uh, I just can't see a, a world revival and, and uh, this world turning to Christ. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. It's... it's uh, it's never been. In fact, the matter is, if you look at every dispensation from Adam and Eve, they failed. Every one, the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, today, the sixth, ends in failure. Now hold on to your seats. But the seventh, the millennial kingdom, when Christ is ruling here, where righteousness rules, and when, when the um, peer pressure during the thousand years of Christ is going to be to do right, to do good. Today, it's to do evil. You're the oddball if you do good. But in the millennial time, it's, the pressure will be, the peer pressure will be do, to do good. But do you know what the devil chained up and the Lord reigning in righteousness. And it started out at the beginning, as we'll see later, in the judgment of the nations, as recorded in Matthew chapter 25. You'll find that the, uh, the beginning of the uh, millennial reign, those who are on earth and natural bodies are all God's children. There's not a lost one among them. But for a thousand years, they're going to marry and have children and multiply the earth. And they'll have, during that thousand years, the greatest population this world has ever seen. You think eight billion is a lot of people today? 
Or you think of all the plagues and all the wars and all the slaughtering that people have done in the past history and it got up to 8 billion. How much do you think there will be in a thousand years of peace and, and food and the curse taken off the earth where you just take the seeds and throw them out, you don't have to weed, and no weeds going to grow, no thorns. Everything's prosperous, producing food, everything's great and ends in failure. Why do I say that? Satan is loose but for a short season, and it has no trouble in raising a great assembly to go against God, and you have the final up, uh, uh, assault against the kingdom of God then. And it's, it, it, but it, they all. You know what? That tells us this. Man is depraved. I don't care how you give man how good of a situation he has. I don't even care if the Lord is reigning on the earth and, and peace is, is, the, is the major thing and righteousness is carried out right away and everything's good. Everybody starts out being safe. You've got all that. But you still have people being born that need to turn to God Different dispensation makes no difference. The only way people are saved is by turning to God. We're going to see that here in this next section. Now we get into chapter 7 and verse 9. I lost my, my problem as I see with this thing right away. My wife said, well, you keep touching that thing and it'll stay alive. My problem is I quit, forget to touch it. Look in, look in verse number 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, and all nations of kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Now let me just pause there a minute, because you, you need to realize what is said here. There's going to be a... This is here speaking about the fruits of the ministry of the 144,000. And I said there's not 140,000, not 140,001. Actually, there's 140,002. Because <laughs> there's two witnesses during Jerusalem. And uh, they're also protected, by the way, by God. Oh, Satan takes their life, but then God raises them right up three days, right, right in front of them. Three and a half days, they're raised up alive. But anyhow, here is a great multitude which no man could number. Don't try to number. People say, well, you know, with computers and calculators, well, we could figure out how many. I mean, if we, no, you can't. The Bible says you can't. So just forget it. Don't waste your time on something like that. No man can number, and they're of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. Now, there's nobody missing here. They do a good job of evangelizing. They go out throughout the whole world, and they have converts from throughout the world. I believe, as I stated before, I believe one of the uh, greatest 
number of uh, people in our age that are go to heaven are little babies. There's 60 million of them we slaughtered in this country since uh, Roe versus Wade when, when it was in the, the law. But, but the ones who die of natural causes, the mothers who have uh, miscarriages and so forth, we believe life begins at conception. So that baby that she loses and doesn't become the full term and deliver, that's still a baby, and that baby will live throughout eternity. So the, all those are going to be there, but there's going to be a great number won by the witness of these missionaries that are going out and, and consistently and faithfully for seven years uh, giving forth the gospel. But now notice he says this, that they stood before the throne. They see a difference in, in our dispensation, right? We're the bride of Christ. We're represented by the 24 elders who we've already read about that are seated in thrones around the throne of God. We're seated. These are standing. Doesn't mean they're diminished in value. They're God's children. But it just shows you there is a difference. Don't you get the the age of the church mixed up with the Old Testament or prior to the law or after the law during the Um, uh, the millennial or during the tribulation. There's different dispensations. God deals with people a different way, but they're all his children. And we'll see here clearly that they're saved in the same manner, and that's by the blood of Christ. But they stand before the Lamb clothed in white robes. Well, we know that's the clothing of the righteousness. That's the white, it speaks of righteousness. Not that they're righteous, but they have like we, the imputed righteousness of Christ uh, in them. And palms in their hands, palms were a, a symbol of victory. They were winners, even though they were slaughtered. These are all martyred. Every one of this unnumbered host here, they're martyred. martyred. They're, not, they're not in uh, natural bodies. They're, they're dead. They're in heaven. They're not on earth. And in Matthew chapter 24, I told you it was a kind of a commentary on this tribulation period. We're told that except these days be shortened, there's none of them would last. God wants some in a natural state to go into that millennial. So he shortens it a little bit. Now, we don't know all about that. It's none of our doing. But God says about this tribulation time. You can read it in Matthew 24 uh, for yourself. And they cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne. That's the good angels. And about the, uh, and about the elders. And that's the 24 elders. That represents the New, uh, New Testament age saints. And, and the four beasts. Uh, are, and they fell before the throne on their faces and they worshiped God saying, Amen. I like that word. I told you before. I'm an amen type Christian. I'm, I'm of the generation. That's what they used to say. I, my... Uh, my parents, back in the day when I was raised in a church, 
preacher was up there preaching, people started to clap, and they'd wonder, what in the world's going on in here? Where'd Hollywood get in here? They don't clap, they say amen. That's, that's a biblical way. They, they said amen. They didn't clap, they didn't shout, they didn't clap. They said amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. There it is again. And one of the elders answered saying unto me, uh, that's one of the elders, uh, one of the representative of our age says to John, that's the antecedent of me there, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And here's a, a, a statement that's a little difficult in, our, in the um, uh, Bible because of the different, you know, we have the English translation and it was uh, written in Greek and so there's a difference in the language. And it says, in, in, um, whence come they? Now, now it says here, and I said unto him, now here's the, here's the difficulty, sir, thou knowest. Now, that sounds one way, but here's what it means. I don't know. <laughs> That's what he's saying. That's the way we would say it. When he, when he asked us that question, who are these who are arrayed in white? And, and where did they come from? Uh, whence came they? And, and, and I said unto him, I don't know. I don't know. Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, when you, when you say, I don't know, then he says, well, these are they which are came out of the great tribulation. He he. He asked God to bring this out, that we don't miss this. They came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes, now notice, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That's the tribulation saints at the fifth dispensation. That's the same as the Old, Old Testament dispensation. That's the close of it. When you take that parenthesis out, Malachi would run right up into this. It would be together. And, and, and they were saved then. They've always been saved that way. That during the millennial age of Christ, it's the only way anybody is saved. It's through the sacrifice Christ paid for mankind. By man, sin entered into the world. And death by sin. But praise God. We have a second Adam that came and paid that penalty for our sins with his own blood. And, and that's what they, they're told here, that they were saved and they have washed their, shell, their robes and, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they, uh, are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of water. 
and God shall wipe, wipe away all tears from their eyes. Now, there's some things here I need to bring out because we're reading along here and it talking about the end of the tribulation. These are saints from the tribulation. But then he begins to talk in terms as if they're on earth. Things are mentioned here. Uh, there's no tears in heaven. There's tears on earth. But these people are talking about their journey during this tribulation, and they certainly had reason to cry on those days. This is going to be the most troublesome times. In fact, the last part that called the Great Tribulation, the last three and a half years we read in Matthew 24, that, that, that it's never been a time on this earth as bad as it's going to be in that day. And you talk about weeping and wailing and, and people suffering, starving to death, tortured to death, and all kinds of um, manners. We think of the, or when we studied of the early church back in uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we studied the history of the church. And uh, in those early church age, before the, the, the devil joined the church, the church was hated and despised by this world. When the devil joined the church, that was when it really got bad. <laughs> it looked good, but it was bad. Uh, they went from having services in the catacomb and the sores and in the hidden places to, to keep from being slaughtered. They had to practice their religion in a secret fashion. I was telling uh, somebody here the other day that sign of the fish is believed to be one of the oldest, if not the oldest insignia of Christianity, the fish. And um, people back then were so persecuted. They, it was, Christianity was a secret society. And uh, they would sometimes draw that little fish in the dust or scratch it on a building or something to let people know there were Christians in this area. Uh, they had to keep their testimony QT, kind of speak, because... It was, it was dangerous in that day. In fact, the name Christian, you perhaps know, but when they were first called Christians at Antioch, that was like cursing them out. <laughs> that was not a good term. That was, that was meant for meanness and devilment to those people. But the, the name Christian now is cherished. We love that name. We love to be called Christian today. But it wasn't so back in the early days. They had it rough back then. But this is going to be worse. This time is going to be worse than that time. But I like what it says back in the Old Testament. You remember this. It ends this here uh, passage with the um, talking of... Uh, uh, I get my fingers, my fingers are too fat. The 23rd Psalm, that's one of the most favorite passages in the scripture, perhaps the most favorite of the Old Testament. 
Many of you could quote it, but just let me read it to you. And it's a psalm of David. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. The thing is, and I often would use this in a funeral service, but I often would caution people. It, you know, it starts out, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, we need to stop right there, folks. If you can't say that honestly, don't apply this to you because it doesn't apply to you. If he's not your shepherd, to become your shepherd, he has to be your savior. And and uh, people sometimes don't realize that. They, they get so familiar with it, they just think everybody, everybody uh, has him as shepherd. No, he's my shepherd because he's my savior. These these people here and, and uh, that we're studying here in the uh, book of Revelation, these people have a shepherd, a lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There's a lot of sorrow here in this world. There's going to be even more during this time. But the devil won't always have the upper hand. After this seven years and the judgment comes upon them, we're going to be starting to read about the trumpet judgments next week. Chapters 8 and 9 talk about the trumpet judgments. But there's the vile judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bowl, the bowl judgments, or the vile judgments. They're, they're constant judgments. But then their Savior comes. He comes, and every eye shall behold him. And with the very word of his mouth, he speaks victory. All are slain. Oh, we're going to look at some of the ter- most terrible battles that's ever been thought of that's yet to be recorded here in this book. It's hard sometimes when you're studying Revelation if you try to read it like a, a, a novel and, and just go straight through. No, this is a parenthesis that gives us information about the tribulation time it doesn't advance the narrative. It just tells us more information so we can better understand what this tribulation time is going to be like. 
it's going to be a time when God's going to, first he's going to have a time when he's going to stop the judgment. And he's going to have his angels. Get, the one angel is going to come with the seal of God. You know what that seal's like? Back in biblical days and days prior and after, the, the rulers would have a seal, would have their insignia on that seal. And if a document was generated at their request of an order that was to go out through the kingdom or whatever, they would take that and they would put some wax there and they'd hit it with that seal and it made an imprint. And that made that document official, legal, demand a uh, 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 demanding respect and obedience and penalties if you don't obey it. And that's that's what we have there. With this seal, he stamps his uh, his name in the name in the foreheads of his people, his messengers, his missionaries, and he sends them throughout all the world. And as a result, there are a multitude saved beyond number that come in and are saved. These we read about here, this multitude, they're all dead. They're in heaven. They're standing in the front of the throne. We've read about it. They sing praises to God. They're saved by the blood of the Lamb just like we are. But they're in heaven. These ones didn't make it through the tribulation. There's some do because the time is shortened. Because if not, the Antichrist would have slaughtered everybody. You know, I didn't bring out last week, but I meant to. That that red horse and and the war and the death that follows. You know, red's a proper name for communism. Proper color, color for, for communism. During that first half of the tribulation, when the Antichrist makes his peace with Israel, there's going to be contention in the world. There's going to be wars and rumors of war. We read about it in Matthew and the Olivet Discount a Discourse, which is the 24th and 25th chapter of Matthew has to do with the end times. And and you need to read about that so you know more about what it's saying here. But but it's it's a time of, of judgment. And and it's it's so um, I, I lost my thought there for a minute. That's what happens when you get old. I tell folks at two o'clock my day starts going like this. <laughs> When you get my age, I think you'll find out that to be true with you too. Uh, but by God's grace, we're going to look at his book, study his word, and and try to glean from it what we can. We have about five minutes if you had a question. I've got my hearing aids in today. The Lord blessed me with a brand new pair yesterday. And... Um, it was so good for my 